Well, here we go. I'm live and my hair is down. And it is, in the words of Dashboard Confessional, everywhere. Dashboard Confessional. That was, of course, the Curry Brothers' pride of Gravenhurst, Ontario, with our theme. They have generously allowed us to use Link Ray Gun off of their album, We Are the Curry Brothers. Look them up on Bandcamp. Put a link in the uh, show notes. It is Monday night. I, oh golly, I know I normally moan about being sore from rugby. I am not sore from rugby today. I'm sore from a new tattoo. Yeah, well, part of a new tattoo. No, wait. Part of the tattoo is new. Getting a back piece done. We did some work on it there on Saturday. And I just peeled off the second skin. It's aching. I'd been boasting today to people who were asking me about it that, ah, it feels good. Normally it feels like having a really bad sunburn, you know, the day or two after. Three or four sometimes after. Um, And I was like, yeah, it's been it's been pretty good. Said the same yesterday. I was at church and my priest was asking me, I said, no, it's fine. Barely feel a thing. She said, huh? Thought it would have been pretty sore. I said, I know me too, but nothing, not nothing. I wouldn't have appreciated if somebody had slapped me on it, but it wasn't particularly uncomfortable, but man alive peeled off that protective layer, had a wash, had a shower and it is. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to have it off. Get some air on it. It's important. Got any tattoos? Pretty popular these days, aren't they? I remember when I had that first big piece done on my leg and people were like, Whoa, dude, that's crazy. And I was like, yeah, I guess. Now people see me and they don't even flinch. That's not true. (laughs) Security at the airports flinch. I get searched a lot. But other than that... I'm pretty free and clear. Hey, you're sipping a beer, you know what it is? Hey, look, it's an attendance class. Thanks, Ruth. My friend Ruth gave me this class. Uh, I'm drinking a bone shaker. Mm-mm-mm. Had it with dinner, breaded fish on a bun. Ooh-wee, that was tasty. Yeah, I could have that again. Actually, I did. I had a sandwich, I had some fries, and then I had a second sandwich. Because there was extra fish around. Why not? Carbs and fat, man, they're my friend. You don't get a physique like this guy eating salad. Okay, I actually do eat salad sometimes too, but anyway, I digress. Hey, uh, let's drink the other beer, though. It is another Amsterdam beer. Spoilers. No spoilers if you're listening to the podcast. You will have seen it in the title. But if you're watching live, and actually, strangely, right now, nobody is. That's okay. Bit late tonight. Maybe people tapped out. Went to bed early. Wouldn't blame you. Uh, what are we drinking tonight? This guy. Yeah, Amsterdam Springbok. This is a classic. An absolute minted classic. I uh, don't know. I, I almost read the label there. Now, here's the thing with this beer. Hmm. 
I mean, I suppose I shouldn't read the label. I've had this beer almost every year it's been available. And, you know, things can get tweaked a little here and there. It's probably not the exact same recipe made all those years ago. Incidentally, I believe it was a homebrew contest win. It was it was Derek Hyde, I think. It's his recipe. And they made it and uh, adopted it, adopted the beer. And it became a an annual stalwart for uh, Amsterdam. Still is, if you ask me. Um, used to come in a, in a 500 ml bottle, now in a can, which I am all on board with. I like that springbok picture. Looks a bit more like a goat than a springbok to me. A goat with very long horns. Um, but it's pretty cool. I'll give them that. Um, it's green, which I like. It's always been green. If they could get some gold and black in there, it would look like the springboks, like the rugby team. I'd be in for that. Um, but I digress. Uh, we're going to have that, and I'm going to open it right now. And I'm going to tell you all about it. It's a style I don't get into too often. You know me and seasonality with beer. I try not to be too precious about it, but the reality is this is a style of beer that brewers typically only make to release in the spring, uh, late winter spring. So uh, as much as I poo-poo saying, oh, it's stout season. Unfortunately, brewers just only produce this some of the time. There are some German brewers that produce it year round. Not this beer, but the same style. Oh, get the pour on camera. Oh, yeah, look at how dark that is. Holy moly, on the camera, and if I'm honest, in my room. It's in a Guinness glass. It's not as dark as a Guinness, but it's like cola dark. Sort of reddish brown, but, I mean, even held up to a light, it's very dark brown bordering on black. Um, oh, that's interesting. The head really dropped off quick. Some years I find that happens. Other years I find it's very heady. Don't know. Now, I will say I can't speak to the cleanliness of this glass. It was probably recently cleaned. It doesn't have any bubblies on it, so it does look pretty clean, actually, now that I say that. Maybe it's not the glass's fault. I also didn't pour it with a nice generous head in mind. I was too busy watching it um, pour in. Let me have one more sip of Bone Shaker before we do this. Still a little thirsty. I need a drink before I have a drink, evidently. Oh, Amsterdam Springbok. This is a Doppelbok, kids. And I know we've done Doppelboks on the pod, but not in a while. Like, at least since last spring, probably. And also possibly like a year beyond that, because I don't know if I did one last year. Hmm. I did swing by Amsterdam on Saturday before going to pick up uh, the big fella from his rugby practice and uh, picked up a couple of nice things. I mean, some bone shaker having that. Their Hellas is like, I don't know why more people aren't talking about that beer. It's nice. That's a good Hellas. Um, a couple of cans of this, a couple of cans of Trellis Pilsner. That's nice. And I also got a bottle of the uh, Homegrown Saison, which I'm a big fan of. Like that one a lot. Um, but that, none of those are what we're talking about. We're talking about this tonight. Springbok, the classic. So let's stick our face into the glass and see what we see. Hmm. Oh, classic. Oh, yeah. Mm, dark jammy fruits. 
uh, brown bread, bit of caramel. Oh, I always get this note and I can't quantify where it's coming from. It might be from the hops or something. There's a smell that I can only describe as being a little reminiscent of a sauna. So it's a little minty or eucalyptusy and a little cedary. And just a little dank or musty. I think it's the hop. I wonder what they're using in here. Knowing Ian, it's probably a German hop. It's probably like Hallertau middle for or something like that. Which I don't know if it would smell that way, but those things, just describing them now as I process them through in my brain, uh, yeah, smells a bit like a sauna. Thankfully not sweaty or like body. That wouldn't be the most appealing thing. But yeah. And, and this is subtle. Like, it's mainly caramel and brown bread and dark fruits. But there's this little... Yeah, it's just... It's minty or almost parsley-like, which is why I think it's the hop. But there's a woody quality and a dankness to it, which also makes me think it's the hop. I solved the problem myself, guys. It's the hop. I just don't know what the hop is. The can might say, but we're not going to the can yet. I'm going to have a sip. By the way, smells amazing. Oh. Oh, oh, hey, look, Erica just joined in. I can hear the kids, I think. They're not asleep. Hi, baby. Love you. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a good beer. I can tell you a lot of things about this beer. I'm not sure of them, but I can speculate. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, what are we doing? This is a Doppelbach. This is Springbach. It is, as noted, sweet and caramelly. Hints of brown bread. Bit of burnt sugar. Let me have another sip. That hop's still there, by the way. Yeah, here I would say it is more parsley-like than uh, eucalyptus-y. Um... Parsley, incidentally, has a, a almost minty-like quality to it, um, but not nearly as minty. It's, it's chlorophyll, I think, um, that you're getting. But uh, parsley-like and a little woody, a little less dank, very uh, sweet, a bit woody. Uh, again, I think that's coming from the hop. Those sugars, I say burnt, but it's not burnt, it's caramelized. It's, it's very specifically not burnt. There's no smoke to this. Hey, Ben Johnson, welcome aboard, kid. Hey, look, we're doing Springbok. Ben Johnson's probably looking at this and he's probably gonna say something like, oh, rock out with your Bach out. That's the kind of thing he would say. <laughs> Wait and see if he gets offended by that. Uh, that incidentally was the slogan of every uh, Springbok release party while, what was that guy's name? He was like marketing at Amsterdam for a bunch of years. Blake? I think it was Blake. He was a good guy. Lived in my neighborhood, actually. And he would throw Springbok parties. And yeah, the slogan was rock out with your Bach out. He's, and ben Johnson says he's better than that joke. Yeah. Sure you are, Ben. Uh, <laughs> All that to say, 
This is definitely a, a, a Doppelbach. Yeah, so the sugar, as I was saying before Ben Johnson so rudely interrupted us, uh, it is, oh, it's interesting. It's a little maybe more towards the minty side now. Parsley minty, it's in there. Um, the sugars aren't burnt, but they're caramelized, and here's why. I am 90-ish, 5%-ish sure uh, because I know how this beer should be made, and it should be made using decoction, and probably double decoction, maybe triple. What's decoction, I hear you saying? Aside from the fact that Ben Johnson's probably making another joke, because it uses the word cock. Um, <laughs> but seriously, kids, it uh, it's a process where while you're mashing, you've got a pot full of um, barley and hot but not boiling water. And uh, it's it's extracting uh, sugars from the grain, and it's also providing the proper temperature for enzymatic reactions to break some long chain starches into smaller chain starches, which are fermentable by uh, uh, by brewing yeast. Uh, this is how we get alcohol. But decoction is when you take a portion of that out, some percentage of it, usually up to about 10% of the total volume, often less. You put it in a separate vessel. In the context of Amsterdam, now thinking about this at the production brewery, it must be the kettle. They must transfer a chunk of it over to the kettle, and then you boil it, like full-on boil it. Um, and you boil it for a while, and then you return it to the mash tun. Now, this helps with um, uh, low modified malts. We've, we actually talked about this about how Bim makes lagers. He uses decoction in his uh, Czech-style lager production. Exact same process. In the context of the Doppelbach... Uh, oh, so by the way... The reason why this beer is so dark is because it's probably predominantly Munich malt. It's very Munich-y. But Munich malt, I mean, now Weyermann probably makes a Munich malt that's fully modified. And when we talk about modified, it means that it's undergone processes to provide it with the enzymes in the grain so that when you bring it up to that temperature, they'll do that transition, that... that um, uh, the, the breaking down of the long chain starches. But historically, that wasn't the case. And certainly I still think most Munich malt is like at least low modified. Um, and so the idea is you can't make a beer properly in a standard way, like the same way you would make, say, like a pale ale using just Munich malt because you don't get enough enzymatic activity to create those uh, to break down those starch chains to create that that chemical uh, uh, effect. I mean, you would make beer, but it would have very high sugar and very low alcohol because you wouldn't have made the sugars into something that the yeast could consume. But decoction helps solve that it it breaks it down uh um it, or it doesn't break it down but it 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 it, cre it creates the environment and and then the enzymes can do the breakdown for you the other thing historically why uh 
why it was done. This was before people really understood the, the chemical science behind this. This is, predates the existence of microscopes. Um, but the key was that it also didn't have thermometers. And they knew that if you boiled, boiled it, it didn't really work so well. You needed to bring it through stages of temperatures. And the way that they would do it is they had a standardized way of heating the water, which typically involved using like hot rocks or something. And so you would have your mash water at a, at a temperature and it was more or less fixed, but you would not know what it was. But then you knew that if you took this special pot that you had and you scooped out that much and you put it on the fire and you boiled it and you poured it back in, that heat would raise the temperature of the mash ton a little bit. Again, you wouldn't know how much because thermometers didn't exist, but you knew that it made it a bit hotter. And then a little while later, you would do that again and then maybe again and then maybe even again because you could do it multiple times. Um, but you're it's called if you're using um, if you're using equipment to do that, you call it step mashing, where you mash at a lower temperature and then you step up to another temperature and then you step up. Decoction was like pre instrument step mashing. Helps break down modified malts, lets you use uh, a, a high proportion of unmodified malts in your beer. So like in the case of this, this is using like a historically more accurate um, to say nothing of the fact that the Munich malt we make now is not like the Munich malt they made 300 years ago. But I digress. Um, a, a, a more uh, traditional uh, tasting beer. The other thing that um, decoction does helps with body and mouthfeel, and this thing's got it in spades. It's it's um, it's medium to heavy, but it doesn't feel syrupy. It's just there's a lot of density to the liquid. It's quite something. Um, tons of caramel. Again, so caramel here is coming from both the Munich malt, which is notoriously caramelly and brown bready, but also because when you boil it, some of the sugars from the wort that you're boiling in the decoction actually caramelize because of the contact to the hot pot that you're boiling it in. Um, so you actually create um, like browning sugar, Maillard reaction sugar, which is the taste of caramel. Um, so you really jack a lot of that caramelly sweetness. Uh, again, that hop is dancing around between sort of parsley and sort of minty and still a little woody. Every kind of third sip, I'm like, oh yeah, sauna again, just for a second. It's weird. There, it just did it. A little eucalyptus or minty. Um, eucalyptus is probably the more accurate thing because eucalyptus has a woody kind of green quality to its smell its aroma um whereas mint is just mint right there you don't get as much other characteristics from mint it's a little more eucalyptus-y little woody little dank maybe um and then yeah the finish is quite dry and actually really hits on like brown or even getting over it like pumpernickel bread um on the finish but it's a very dry clean finish because the other thing i didn't mention this this throws a lot of people off uh, because when you look at this, you go, oh, it's a very uh, dark brown beer. It's, it's an ale. It's not. It's a lager, um, or at least it should be. It'll be made with a, a German ale yeast or <laughs> ale yeast. <gasps> It'll be made with a German lager yeast and uh, it will be lagered, which is the act of aging it. Um, 
So those both things happen. Um, historically, these beers, uh, Doppelbachs, were made for uh, Lenten drinking to fortify the spirit during fasting. Uh, and uh, some of you will remember that I myself uh, once went uh, all 40 days of Lent without eating and uh, um, drank a Doppelbach that Ian from Amsterdam and I made together, which is to say Ian made it and I tried not to mess it up. And actually it was Cody that made it. Uh, Ian delegated that. Uh, but we did hang out. <laughs> he was there, but it was mostly Cody and to a lesser extent me. Um, it had oats in it because he was really worried that I was going to die and he wanted to try and give me as much protein as possible. So uh, that's the other thing is when I taste this, I go, oh yeah, this tastes like that time I didn't eat for 40 days. Uh, that beer, because of the oats and the decoction, had a crazy heavy body to the point of actually being syrupy. Um, took a bit of getting used to. Uh, but then I became quite attached to it, if I'm honest with you. I think I still have a couple of bottles kicking around somewhere. Can't imagine that they've aged well, but who knows. Um, incidentally, if you are a person who has your finger on the pulse of the Christian calendar, you will know that depending on how you measure it, uh, Lent either just ended yesterday or is ending this weekend. Um, yeah, I want to say most people, but no, most people don't. Um, certainly my understanding of the tradition, uh, Lent ended yesterday. Lent ends on Palm Sunday, and then you have Holy Week leading into Easter, which is this weekend coming up, which is why you have Friday off, friends. And also Monday, if you are a lucky federal worker or teacher or like that might be it banker maybe uh you'll also have monday off uh, that's for easter monday confusing anyway the point is lent is is over some people say lent ends on easter um hey these things are all constructs anyway so you do you whatever whatever enriches your spiritual um uh, practice go with that but uh to me and a lot of people like me. Lent ended yesterday on Palm Sunday, which is a fun day, by the way. Um, but so this beer, very appropriate, not just because it's a spring beer, which it is, but it is because it was made for Lent, which always happens in the spring. It is a moving feast. Uh, so Easter isn't on the same day every year, but it is always in the spring. Also, typically, uh, it it almost always is the weekend after the Masters, so go figure. Yeah, and that happened yesterday. Well, this past weekend ended yesterday. What a match. Whew. Never seen. If you're not into golf, you won't care, but oh my gosh. That Morikawa-McElroy double, not double eagle, which real people call albatross, but two eagles in one grouping on one hole. Um, or wait, birdies, not eagles. I've even already forgotten birdie, I think. Uh, mm. Man, I like this beer. Uh, what was I saying? Masters, Easter, Lent, Lent's over. That's where we're at. Good beer. Tastes uh, about what I was expecting it to. I didn't even mention dark fruits. I kind of got off on that whole hop thing. There is a, um, like a dried, dark, kind of raisin, raisiny, not prune quite. Certainly darker than an apricot. Maybe dates. It's kind of date-like, actually. Again, some sweetness, some jammy sweetness. Um, and yeah, some chewy, dark, dried fruit to it as well. Real nice. 
I'm gonna have a sip and then I'm gonna tell you what you should eat with it. Now, this is a German style of beer. So all of your classic German fare, you're gonna do okay. Like a German sausage would work really well here. Sausage is quite fatty, this is quite sweet. So those are gonna play ball together. It's also quite drying. Um, you know, this is good not only to eat a pretzel with, eat a pretzel with, yeah, I got that out right, um, but you could use it in the production of the pretzel to give the pretzel some extra sweetness. I would highly, highly recommend that. Um, but actually, here's the thing. Now, this isn't necessarily uh, German fare, um, but if you really want to mix up some of the seasonality uh, in a way that is um, <laughs> a little weird when you think about it, uh, if you are a follower of the Christian uh, faith, um, honestly, this would work really well with some roasted lamb. Now, why is that a, a weird mashup or whatever? Well, it's not uncommon in um, a Seder supper, which is the Passover supper in, uh, in the uh, Jewish faith. Um, the joint of meat that they'll often serve is lamb. Uh, lambs were often used sacrificially, so there's some good um, historical juju there. Um, also availability. Um, but often the joint of meat in a Seder supper is, uh, is a lamb leg, a leg of lamb, because it's a joint. Um, and, uh, that would work really well here. Why is that weird if you're a Christian? Well, so like one of the last things the historical person Jesus did before he was tried and killed, uh, evidently based on, on the Bible and, um, like one other document, um, was he had the Passover and he 100% would have, cause he was definitely Jewish. Um, so he definitely observed the Passover and, uh, uh, so he ate um, the Passover uh, meal, so that that works off well and fine. And actually, a lot of churches offer a Passover uh, meal in recognition of the fact that our faith is based on the Abrahamic faith of uh, of Judaism. But you remember how I said lambs were often used as sacrifices in in, in sort of early uh, Judaistic uh, tradition. Um, <laughs> Jesus was often referred to as the lamb because he was the sacrifice and he got killed. So for Christians to eat lamb at Easter, it's weird. Like, it's really weird. It's fine. And like, don't let me yuck your yum. If you like lamb and Easter's the one time of the year you consistently eat a bit of lamb, eat the lamb. It's fine. <laughs> it's just... A religion that actually has a lot of allegory and symbolism in it. If you choose to eat lamb and you're, they say celebrating, commemorating is probably the better word, the death of the guy that you call the lamb. And so you eat some lamb like, I don't know, am I crazy? Does that not seem weird to anybody else? It's always struck me as a little, eh, a little strange. And anyway. Um, lamb. This would work really well with lamb. Uh, not just because it's an Easter dish. Uh, lamb, I hate when people use the word gamey to describe uh, a meat, especially a meat that was not raised wild. Lamb's always farmed. It's a domesticated animal. Um, 
but there is a more um, mammalian, fleshy taste to lamb. Um, certainly through domestication, uh, they they have been more standardized and stuff, but nowhere near as much as beef. The reason why people think beef tastes so different to, like, say, venison or bison or moose I mean, people always just think it's because it's a different animal, and certainly it is. But the other thing is, we've bred beef uh, through selective breeding and then obviously more modern genetic um, tweaking to be like, basically like high protein, high fat, low taste. Um, Cows, probably even like 150 years ago, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that they tasted drastically different than, say, like, bison which they're sort of they're not necessarily closely related but they're close enough <laughs> um so what was i saying lamb not gamey just tastes like mammalian flesh um especially young lamb tends to be a bit milder if you get into mutton you can get some really fleshy tasting mutton um but that's not what i'm recommending i'm, I'm recommending lamb um Lamb, though, has a fairly <sighs> gamey taste to it. It's It's got more, yeah, muscle tissue, fleshy quality to it than you get, say, from cow or pork. Um, it's also, it tends to be fairly lean, but uh, uh, not dry, so it's not super fatty. Um, but the sweetness and the complexity of the beer, um, those dark fruits, they're going to work really well with that more meaty meat um and yeah and actually incidentally if you have a bit of mint sauce or mint jelly with it depending on your preference um that little minty pop coming from the hops that could work really well together and uh yeah especially if you did that that lamb up with some like rosemary and maybe a bit of sage those herbal notes are going to go really nice with that hop as well. And they'll play well with the sweetness and the maltiness of the beer. So that'd be a really good pairing. If you don't want to eat lamb because you don't eat the animals, uh, how do you feel about dairy? goes really well with cheese. Uh, outside of that, again, go with a pretzel. Have a nice pretzel. Make yourself some soft pretzels. Um, you could do a lot worse than a good soft pretzel. Just remember, don't just bake it. You do need to parboil it in a highly uh, basic or caustic solution. Most people these days, they use baking soda. That's fine. A couple of tablespoons of that in the water. That's how you get that really nice dark brown, almost leathery uh, crust to it. Not much of a crust because it's quite soft, but that's how you get that. If you don't do that, what you end up with is like glorified pizza dough uh, when you pour it in uh, a caustic uh, liquid, uh, you get that much nicer, browner, chewy uh, crust to it. So do that. Nice, flaky, chunky salt too, please. And a lot. You're not eating the pretzel for your health. Uh, what have we got coming down the pike? Well, I think I need another sip of this Springbok from Amsterdam. It's Amsterdam good, as they like to say. Oh, I just crossed my leg because I am actually a little sore. 
my glutes a little sore and I thought that was going to make things feel better and it did kind of, but it did not work. My apologies. What's happening? Well, it is Easter this weekend, so you probably have at least a three, if not four day long weekend, as mentioned before. Incidentally, one of the busiest nights of the year for most bars uh, anywhere in the at least Western Christian world uh, is actually the Thursday, uh, this Thursday, the night before Good Friday, because, of course, pretty much everyone has Good Friday off. And maybe it's because there's some cultural echo to the guilt uh, around um, Easter and the fact that we're all sinners and cause this poor fellow to have to die. Uh, but uh, whatever it is, a lot of people like to go out and get real drunk on Thursday night before Good Friday. And if that is you, I would ask you to be safe, be polite and tip well. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're going to just have a quiet night in, that works too. Do that. That's fine. Um, I don't know if there's anything happening this weekend. I've not been made aware of any of it. Um, there is actually the Beaches Easter Parade. This is not a beer event. But uh, if you've been missing a good parade, uh, you come on out to Queen Street. Uh, the parade runs between the R.C. Harris Water Treatment Center, which is at the end of the Neville Park Loop, basically on the streetcar line, uh, all the way on over to Woodbine. And it's adorable because it's a bit like a small town parade but it's in Toronto because at the end of the day, the beach really is just like a little kind of small town full of really wealthy people who work in Toronto. Um, so it's a bit like Niagara on the lake, but not as pretty, I guess. Um, and also we don't have a fort. So they got us on a couple of fronts there, but, uh, but the parade is just adorable. My little daughter will be in it with her karate class doing little chops and kicks and little punches in the air while they walk along and wave at people and hand out candy and um, uh, information about the dojo. Um, and this is what the whole parade is. Not the whole parade, but a lot of it is local organizations uh, greeting the other people in the community, passing out information about who they are and what they do, and uh, generally handing out candy. Uh, if you have children, get them to bring a bucket because people will just come by and drop candy in the bucket. It's like an it's like an uh, reverse uh, egg hunt. It's like an egg wait for people to come and hand them to you, uh, which for today's kids, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> what else is there? There's some bands, marching bands, of course, the Malvern High School Marching Band, Pride of the Beach. Uh, they'll be there, I'm sure. Actually, I'm not sure of that. Is band back at high school? Would they have been able to practice? Don't know. Um, Police always send the uh, drum and pipe band. That's kind of cool. There's usually some horses. They normally uh, fire up the really old streetcar. And there's a line of like the really old like wooden streetcar. And then like the one that I think of as like the rocket, which was like that like uh, ivory yellowy white with like red. Uh, you know, you see them in photos from the 50s a lot and then sort of the 80s, 90s vintage streetcar and then the, the modern one that, you know, we're used to now. But I remember a couple of years back, it was the first time I'd seen one of those new ones, the, the four segmented ones. I thought, man, looks like the future. I wonder if Captain Picard's going to be on there. He wasn't. But uh, yeah, they bring those out. That's kind of cool. It's like I say, it's like a small town parade. It's just adorable uh, and, and free only thing is parking crazy 
Will I be moving my car next weekend? Probably not. Actually, that's not true. I think I have rugby practice on Saturday. But after that, not moving it. We get like notices because we can't get across Queen because the, it's a parade route. And they're like, hey, if you need to get your car out, I think you can cross at Lee. They, they let people cross once every sort of 10 minutes or something. But, uh, but yeah, come on out. It's going to be fun. Take transit. It's going to be a nice weekend. Actually, it might rain. Not sure. But uh, a real fantastic tradition. And uh, I'd love to see anybody. Anybody who listens to the podcast, I mean, if you look at the videos, if you're watching on Instagram or YouTube, or if you just creep my Instagram, you know what I look like. If you find me, come by and say hi. Odds are I'm going to have a beer, and we can talk about it. I'll tell you what it is. It's probably going to be from Godspeed, but I digress. What else is happening? Again, not a whole lot. I believe on May the 11th, which is a Wednesday, still got some time, uh, Welsh folk singer extraordinaire Martin Joseph playing here in Toronto. I'm not sure where. It's Hughes Room Live, but Hughes Room doesn't have a venue right now. I know they've been doing a lot of shows at 3030 out in the junction, so might be there. Anyway, a little bird, which is to say Hughes Room Live, told me that tickets should be going on sale this Wednesday or Thursday. That is the 13th or 14th of April. Um, so... I would highly recommend checking that out, uh, especially if it's at a cool bar like 3030 or something that has a decent beer selection. But even if it doesn't, even if you have to drink crap beer or just like gin and tonics, uh, he's a great singer. Great singer. Such a good storyteller. So check that out, too. That's what I'm doing coming up, apparently. Mm-mm-mm. Other than that, you can get your Amsterdam Springbok from... The breweries that is on a sander in Leaside or Queen's Key in Queen's Key. Uh, I think, believe it's technically on Reese Street. I don't know where it is. But anyway, it's on the lake. It's hard to miss. Uh, you can get that here. I uh, don't know about LCBO. Some years they do, some years they don't. Depends on how big a batch they make. Uh, but really tasty beer, great for this time of year. Also, didn't even mention this. Uh, normally, we talk about my box more for this M A I B O C K. Um, but these are often some of the finest beers for outdoor drinking early season. Uh, why? Why I haven't even looked at the can yet? I don't even know. This is normally around seven percent uh, alcohol. This is. It says strong beer. It says six point seven percent. So pretty close. 6.7% alcohol. No fooling. It says, tasting notes, double decocted dark lager made in the German tradition for consumption during Lent. You would almost think I'd read this, but I hadn't. This liquid bread, I made air quotes, has a rich maltiness. True. Satisfying notes of burnt sugar. Disagree. Caramelized sugar. Not burnt. No smoke. Uh, and dried fruits with a warming finish. Not getting a lot of alcohol heat off of it, but that also could be a, a personal experience thing. Um, but it doesn't warm the back of my nose. Uh, it is delicious, though. Uh, I do agree. Uh, they say dried fruits. I would even go so far as to say dark dried fruits. Um, interesting they didn't note it tastes like a sauna. But hey, who am I to criticize? Uh, they're not writing these notes for me. What was I saying? Oh yeah, great for outdoor this time of year. 
12 degree day, put on a nice woolen sweater or a jumper if you're from the UK, uh, maybe a hat, probably some gloves because your fingies are going to get cold and then sit somewhere with some nice sunlight on your face, maybe a bracing breeze blowing in off the lake. I'm describing the front of my house uh, and you can have one of these and it will stand you in pretty good stead against the, I was gonna say the worst that um, April can throw at you. That's not true. Apparently Manitoba is about to get the worst blizzard they've had in like a hundred years and they get some pretty bad blizzards and this one is in April. So good luck to you, Manitoba. But uh, seriously, th this is a great early season patio beer. Uh, I love it. So I would, I would highly recommend. Uh, otherwise, uh, pick it up at the brewery. They do still do delivery. I don't think that's going away. So you could order this and they will bring it right to your house the day after you order it. Not bad. Um, what else we got? Nothing. Nothing. I will be back next week. I will. It will be the holiday Monday. I will have just come off of a Oh, I will be just finishing a beautiful four-day-long weekend. So I will be in Great Nick to drink something real special. What is that? I don't know. I have a bottle in my fridge that it could be from Little Beasts. It's the last one of the ones Aaron sent me. And I'm excited to try it. I just feel like I want it to be momentous, because it sounds like a momentous beer. Could be that. Could be something else. I don't know. We'll see there's a whole seven days between now and then and between now and then please be good to each other take care of somebody if you can and i will talk at you in seven days rob curry and the curry brothers take us home